Guys, welcome to the first episode of What We Know, uh, available on YouTube and on podcast, and with your host, Janai White, and I'm William Winter, and for our first episode, we thought it'd be, um, well, probably the best thing to do would be to explain our entrepreneurial journey, uh, which started back in 2010 uh, within cl- with a clothing company, off the back of Jay's uh, idea, uh, and it kind of led us to exactly where we are now. Um, yeah. So we wanted to start with that story, some of the lessons that we learned along the way, uh, and hopefully you guys get um, you know, some learning points from it and don't make the same mistakes we did. <laughs> so yeah. with that, Jay, what you got for us? Uh, well, first of all, I want to start by saying we are committed to this podcast because it is an early morning session. It is an early so, uh, start. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you might get a bit of rambling. You might get a bit of... Uh, coffee breath. You, yeah. <laughs> coffee breath. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick pauses because, yeah, we, we're still trying to process. But um, yeah, please forgive us. Um, but yeah, without further ado, so, you know, like we always say, you know, every hero needs their origin story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make you the hero of this story then? Because no, it started no, with no, you. No. See what he did there? Our first business was Jay's idea. So therefore, you are the, so you are the hero of this story. Is that what you're saying? No, Does that make no, me no. then? Uh-huh. Robin, to your Batman. Is that it? Were you? Ah. No, we were both Batman. Oh yeah, nice one, nice one. (laughs) He's only saying that now because I'm his boss. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there you go. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah. So just just going back anyway. So if we start from the from the bare bones. So, like I was saying to you, I remember I just I came up to your house one day um, the night before. I'd had like this random dream, you know. I'm obviously not the first person to ever dream. Um, <laughs> it's definitely been said before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, all all I remember was in this this vision. It was um, it was just it was money. It was honestly it was it was money, but it was a it was a lavish life. And the the idea was all I all I could see was like really rich places, this that and the other. And I thought, wow, you know what? It'd be cool to have some form of company um obviously we were doing business at the time so yeah yeah so to set the scene jay and i met at uh, gloucester uni both studying business management uh met first week there yeah um and this was in our third year so we did a four-year sandwich course didn't we so yeah. we did a year out on placement in our third year so it's a summer of that just before we we're about to go back into our final year do our dissertations and everything else mm. um after spending a year out in the in the world um yes. just carving a living really <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, so, we're, yeah, we're three years in. We think we know what business is. Exactly. Um, you've come up with this idea yeah. uh, centered around a, a lifestyle. Yes. Um, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, as I was saying before, I, I think, again, um, maybe a large chunk was due to the area as well. Yeah, so we were living in Cheltenham at the time, which was exceptionally affluent, uh, not like the areas we came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Nothing like that we came from. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so... Um, I thought, okay, I, I tell you what, it, it's, again, it's, it's still in its initial phases, but let me speak to William, see what he thinks. And then if he shoots me down on it, that's fine. You know, it, it was just a good dream, put it that way. So I remember I walk over to your house because I, I don't think we had anything to do. And then, <laughs> Probably not, no. no. And then I, um, I corner you about it. I say, William, look. I've got this, oh, whoops, I've hit that. I say, oh, William, I've got this idea. Um, this idea is based on a, like, a lavish lifestyle. Um, I want to call it Monaco Money. Um, and then did, if I... Did it at that time? So at yeah. that time when you come to my house. 
and you had this idea of a concept of a lavish lifestyle, a brand in and around it. Did you know you wanted to to be in clothing, or was that was that me? No, um, I did have an idea I wanted to be in clothing, but then the initial concept was it was just going to be t-shirts. Right, that that's all I thought. So um, I jumped ahead a little bit there because I just wanted to way explaining like the idea that you had. Because yeah. if, if you be fair, it's the most depth you've. I didn't know that's how, how it came. Yeah. Because um, you just came to me at the time, I remember with this name, like Monaco Money. Yeah. And this concept of, obviously, Monaco being affluent and this, yeah. that, and the other, and wanting to try and create that type of... It was almost like a um, a dream-driven brand, i.e. an aspirational brand. Uh, remember you explained to me, like, graft your ass off. Yeah. And you can live that lifestyle. Uh, exactly. And then yeah. you, you know, wanted to create something that inspired but also kind of the brand in itself embodied it so like you if you were chasing that lifestyle you'd be associated to that brand you want to you want to be involved in that exactly that um and then much later obviously um we'll, we'll get to it slightly later but that's when we came up with that it's a brand a yeah 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 because on the back of that shirt so yeah so again so i've presented this idea to yourself um you've taken a momentary pause and i'm thinking oh, right, okay uh, Okay. It was just, yeah, it was just a dream. And then you said, no, look, I'm, yeah, let's do that. And then if memory serves me correctly, you like, give me a week or give me yeah, two no, weeks. Yeah, I, I said, yeah. So I said, because uh, I was living in that horrible basement flat at the time. Yeah. So although we were living in Cheltenham, which is absolutely beautiful, the parts that we could afford to live in weren't. <laughs> uh, I was living in this horrible, horrible, like the furthest from the concept ever, flat, mold coming around. Us. Oh, it was horrible. I said, yeah, I remember saying to you, like, give me a week and I'll come up. I'll come up with a business plan, an idea for it, a brand for it, and everything else. Mm. And I started with like hand drawing, just kind of yeah, everything. So yeah, I was it. I said yeah, give me a week, and I'll come back with a business idea. Yeah, and, no, no, and, no, you and did. we did then, didn't we? Well, th- this is it. I mean, in terms of so obviously, we, Monaco money was you know both of us. Mm. Um, how did you when I presented the idea? What was your your drive behind it? Like, why were you so enthusiastic about doing it? I, I personally, I think because, um, well, I love the concept because it's how I, how I am. So mm. I, I resonated with the idea of the brand, right? So, okay. because that's the whole reason I was working my ass off. Right? Yeah. So at the time, if I remember rightly, I was working two jobs, uh, getting ready for our final year of uni because I wanted to stash as much cash as possible. Um, so I didn't have to work as much in my final year to be able to pull out the best grade. Yeah. Well, that went ass backwards, didn't it? <laughs> so that cash we stashed, I actually yeah. put into a lot of what we did. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you got some investment from family and things as well, didn't you? So yeah, uh, so it, that, that didn't work at all. In fact, if memory serves, by the Christmas, we were dead broke. So, um, But yeah, it was the whole reason. It was where we were kind of leading. Obviously, we I'd gone to university with a very, very different mindset to what you did. Right. Mm. So... I went with the idea of, look, I'd worked in retail, worked in catering and other environments like that, which are a graft. And anyone working out in retail or in catering, so much respect because those hours and, you know, just so unsociable. And the pay's crap. So I was like, nah, I want to go to uni and I want to earn 30 grand a year have a company car on weekends off. That was literally my aspiration when I went to uni. If I go to uni, I should be able to achieve that that no. was literally it and that's why i did business because i thought if i did business i would be able to get it i'll be employable yeah uh little did i know because i wasn't good at school i wasn't good at uh, sixth form I, I did what i had to do to get by mm. and then uh when i got there 
the whole environment of it, the entrepreneurship, the way the uni was structured with that, with their enterprise schemes and everything else, it just unlocked something in me. Like, wow, I can generate my own wealth. I can generate my own income. Yeah. Um, and I just love the freedom of it all and the concept and the idea. And then I it just it unlocks. Well, meeting you actually um, early on, you're like, because I remember telling you that oh, I wanted this. Aha. And you're like, mate, <laughs> you can do better than that. And I, I never thought I could even achieve that, let alone do better than that. Right. So. I automatically resonated with that band. I thought, not only do do I want to be a part of it, I want to just, this is me. This is who, you know, it's exactly who I am. This is yeah. what I'm about. So it was easy to, to kind of invest so much of yourself into something, into a great idea. Yeah. Um, and I, I was I was slightly jealous. I didn't come up with it. <laughs> uh, I just loved the name as well, Monaco Money. Yeah. Um, at the time, there, there was a big wedding in Monaco as well, and there's a little big hoo ha about it because I didn't think she wanted to marry him or some guy. Oh yeah, yeah. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. Yes, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. So Monaco was all up in the news as well. So that's why when I designed it, I looked at the it's like Monaco has got like a crest and everything else. So when yeah. I took the idea of the um, the the logo, I took it from the crest and then I, don't, I added some like a banner idea through it, which would hold the brand. And what was really important for me was the crown. Okay. I wanted to keep the crown in the top. Um, just got, like a crown for me, didn't necessarily symbolize a royal family or a king or a queen or anything. It was more like like top, that's the top of the mountain top. You've been crowned, you know. Right. Someone, okay. someone says like, you're a king. Like they, mm. they call LeBron James the king, right? Yeah. Because he sits on top of that mountain top, has on for 20 years. Like yeah. boom, the lion is a king of the jungle. So I was like, right. It, it needs a crown. Yeah. So that's where that came from. Um, and yeah, and that was it then. And then we, we talked about it going into, um, you know, we, well, we, a lot happened after that, right? So I come up with an idea, a sketch mm. on, a, on an idea. You you liked it, which helped. Yeah. Um, so you funny because you remember you saying um, you've been quite nervous coming up to me with your concept and your idea and everything else. Uh, I remember being nervous going, right, I've taken your idea and now I've, created my um, your interpretation my interp- it, that's yeah. it yeah, yeah and what I like yeah uh, so now I've also invested so much of myself into this if you say you don't like it <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to react <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hit you yeah <laughs> it's just one of those like, oh, keep coming then. <laughs> <laughs> but no so that, that didn't happen so yeah. Um, yeah presented that to you and you're like yeah yeah now what do we do <laughs> yeah well, th- well this is it this is it um, but yeah just, just touching up on that right so obviously we, we've got the design I think um, as well as that, we, we, we briefly spoke about the branding. Mm. And like I said before, we, we came up with those three stages, so like a brand, a lifestyle, a movement. Mm. Um, did that resonate with you in terms of those statements? Or was there any statements specifically in that that you were like, yeah, I, I really no. agree with this? No, no I, I took them. Where did I get them from? It was quite, I think it was early on when we talked about it was going to be clothing. Yeah. We had different ideas of what that clothing would be. Because mm. if I remember vaguely, you you wanted it to be more like um, yacht club. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yacht club type. I, again, but again, to put it into perspective, it's based on the area that we were around. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, um, so again, just um, giving you an idea. So at the time when we were we were at university, uh, Superdry was big. Massive. Uh, Massive. Jack Wills was big. Huge. Jack Wills Everywhere. was well, we say, I don't know how big they were outside of the captive audience where we lived mm. yeah. because I mean, is the I mean we, we, we're going to talk we're going to talk about marketing and, and yeah. brand position in a minute but like because the internet wasn't what it is now no nowhere near I mean Instagram Facebook was a few years old like do you know what I mean 
I don't really know because we we were there, we lived there, and everything else. Mm. But was that same style and brand and that, that you know as popular in Manchester, in Liverpool, in Birmingham, in Glasgow, in Cardiff? Potentially, but you potentially can go and you can swing a cat in Cheltenham or down the southwest. Yeah, without someone wanting a super dry this, a Jack Wills that. Mm. Hollister was quite big as well. Yep, Hollister was um, good. Do you know what I mean? They were the brands that we couldn't afford that we wanted to wear that, yeah. we were, that everyone else seemed to have. But you know, they had they, they, they from there, innit? <laughs> they <had laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that 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 was it, wasn't it? And that's where you kind of got that. Well, this is it. Yeah. Well, I, I think. And again, we'll, we'll touch upon it in marketing and sales-wise in a bit. But I think one of the main things was, well, with these, say, for instance, like the Yacht Club or mm. Hollister, Jack Wills, the price they can charge, they can charge that premium because of the brand perception. Mm-hmm. So I thought if we kind of mirrored that, then, yeah, we can charge, I don't know, 50, 60 yeah, pounds yeah. for a T-shirt. So yeah. it, it's kind of that naivety. Um, but yeah, that that was my kind of perception or my, my rationale oh, right. okay so it. you actually based your um your desire for clo- the, the design of the clothes based on what you think the roi would be exactly on, yeah. yeah on that sort of style because if, if it's targeted at that sort of audience yeah. then we should be able to return more per, per garment basically Ex- exactly that oh, right. exactly okay. that. yeah so i just thought it's a style you wanted because obviously monica money affluence yada, yada, yada. yeah yeah um i went i went the idea of a far more urban um style to be truthfully honest okay um reason being honestly the complete opposite okay so because i i the reason i thought was people who already have a lot yeah don't want for much right okay right so where's the drive where's the where's the synergy in what we're trying to say people that don't have much and are working their ass off to to change their life change their family's life will resonate more with it Mm. Um, and they they come from a they don't come from a Cheltenham background. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not knocking anyone in Cheltenham. I mean, I'm generalising, but they don't come from a you know upper middle class background. They don't. Yeah. Um, and that that was my thing. I knew more people like me mm. who would wear clothes like me that wanted what I wanted that would resonate with it. Makes then sense. I knew people like some of the guys we went uni with who, funnily enough, never bought a t shirt. Right. Yeah. So who already rocking Jack Wills and Hollister and can, can spend 40, 50 quid on a t-shirt and not mm. bat an eyelid because their parents are buying it for them. So, you know, that was, because these guys were at uni with us doing, you know, having the same loans and everything else, but have a very different life. So that, that's, there's one way that happens, right? That's because um, they're not working. Mm. So I didn't think that would work with them. Um, okay. Plus I knew a lot more people who would resonate with it personally. So I thought it would give it a bit of a, you know, a kudos. And I've got to be honest, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. I thought, well, if we're going to make something, let's make something we like. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Mm. No, I, again, similar to yourself, I, I like the the, uh, the designs. I, li- I like the brand. Um, I think um, my main thing wasn't necessarily the the logo as such. Obviously, don't be disarmed by that. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we've talked about it off camera before well, yeah. on a previous take about... Uh, and you, it's the I, first time you know, I, I never actually liked it. In the yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, no. But um, I think my main thing was um, the statements again, and I keep reiterating mm. because I just like the idea of brand lifestyle movement, and especially the the movement aspect of it. Mm. Because one of the things I was really interested in 
especially when we were doing this, was creating like some form of social community. Yeah. Where people felt like they could, you know, they, they felt welcome, they felt warm, they felt like, oh my gosh, you, we're, we're in the same club. Mm. And it was kind of like a unity factor. Mm-hmm. I, and, and that's one of the main things. And, and so that's why when we came up so with So in marketing now, it's interesting that's yeah. how you felt. Because in marketing now, and it has been now for about four or five years, mm. there's a big drive towards creating a tribe. Yes. So if you are out there at the moment, you think about creating your own brand or your product or things like that, you will, you will see a lot of stuff both written and online and YouTube and things like that where people talk about creating a tribe. And that is literally what you're talking about there, which we, they didn't teach us at uni. Mm. <laughs> um, which had we probably centered it around and the messaging around and maybe done more around those three statements it would have probably or it could have taken a different dimension yeah but tribe marketing is massive okay so that is creating a community that resonates not only with your messaging but that are interacting with you that feel part of it and likewise you're investing back into them yeah Uh, and within that community then obviously your brand and your messaging and your products and resonate and then grow yeah um so that's when you got to look at your product type, whether it's a niche product, if it's a niche market, okay, then your tribe is very particular. If it's not a niche market, then your tribe is broader, but then it's harder to create it. Um, and there's lots of things that, but guys, if you are looking at doing a brand and you want to center it around a message, definitely look at, you know, tribe marketing. Fair, fair. So yeah, so so that was the main thing. Sorry, one second. Things just gone. yeah. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. So it's still recording. That's fine. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So again, like you were saying before, the idea of a tribe, the idea of the social inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we, we captured that quite well because like Will was saying, he's talking about this marketing aspect. Some of the marketing uh, strategies or some of the, the marketing that we did um, was quite evident of that. So say for yeah. argument's sake, when we did the marketing through Cheltenham. Yeah. Um, again, I will let Will to- tell you about the marketing through Cheltenham because it was your basic idea. Well, it's not basic at all, but it was your idea as to how we did it. Because if I, if memory serves me correctly, it was in some stages it was kind of like a line. Yeah, yeah, so it was kind of like down, an army as well. Street, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. So a lot of the, like the clothing design, and everything else was, was urban. That but my favorite TV show, and, and it was a huge hit at the time, was Misfits. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, um, and. So we did an entire kind of street marketing campaign centered around that misfit style. Yeah. So Jamie Barty, who is now my brother-in-law, uh, come down and uh, yeah, he was doing a lot of the filming and the photography. He did a fantastic job, to be fair, because he again he was trying to everyone was just trying to create portfolio work when they yeah. and, uh, and get their name out there. And Jamie was one of them. And he come down. He helped us with a few different events and things. And um, yeah, so we did like this guerrilla marketing campaign, uh, like with this misfit style. We did some stuff in like sort of uh, cemeteries and like all sorts of stuff with like images. Yeah, and, the area, yeah. Yeah, like the beer gardens. And it was, it was awesome. Like you say, and then we did this kind of almost like a catwalk in the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, that that was that was awesome. And then uh, like, to be fair, again, everyone that, that helped us with that, you know, you had Faye, Charlotte, every, everyone, um, they, yeah, they, they did that because they just wanted to help. You know, we didn't pay anyone. We bought more pizza. I think that was a big thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it was a Domino's or something. Yeah, well, I think it was a Domino's, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was awesome. We you know, did some stuff in the barbershop. We did stuff at Polly's Barbershop and yeah. things like that. So it was, uh, we did, and we, the best part about not only creating a marketing campaign like that, so, you, you know, you, it was a good marketing campaign. It was, it was, everyone was just stopping and watching and what are they doing? Well, this it, is it. It this was is so it. in everyone's face. Uh, and it, it was a really, it was awesome to be fair. Um, mm. 
And looking back at it now, I don't, I actually don't think I, I realized how good that was and how much more we could have probably done with that and how many more like that we could have done in different cities, different towns. But we should have, tr- we should have taken that concept and tra- made it travel. Yeah. Uh, because again, the internet wasn't there. No, well, it, it was there, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, not, not in the same it, way. You know, the, the concept of going viral would never hadn't existed. Do you know no. what I mean? So, but that sort of thing there would have been would have been awesome. I mean, getting people talking. But we we didn't we didn't have the funds really. But that no. would have been a good idea to kind of travel that per city per town or bit. You know, where you know, especially university towns and things like that, where that sort of thing would have resonated with really well. But yeah, so we we did all that. Um, but yeah, and then. From there, then we uh, we amplified that into the summer ball. Yeah, so the summer ball was good mm. um, because, as well as that, again, um, this idea of, of the movement. So what we we tried to do was we tried to broaden our horizons. So instead of just you know clothing, what we tried to do is we tried to sponsor artists, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. musicians, because what we felt was that okay, the brand, the idea was then. So we moved away from this yacht club. Yeah, and we we basically moved to Will's idea, so we, it was more of a kind of urban fit, mm. and so we got urban artists yeah. to kind of represent the brand because we felt that that would get more traction. Affiliate marketing, yeah, is what that was, yeah, yeah. In in, in terms of the, the existing audience that they had already, and again, because social media influencers weren't a thing, so mm. now if you're going to go create a brand, the easy thing and the most common thing to do is chuck a load of your stuff at some really good Instagram influencers, either pay them or give them free stuff or whatever it might be work out a reward system for them there back then that wasn't that no. didn't exist there was there was no such thing as an influencer no. market like that. not like that and if, if it was you had to pay super money because it was celebrity really and yeah. then you kind of you work your way from z list to a list i suppose mm. but again that will cost a huge amount of money so but what we again tapped into especially at uni and up within our circle was there were people out there trying to again that resonate with the brand trying to do their thing and what we resonated with and it all worked really well with was music yeah um, and there was a, there was a there was a guy called Ben on you know that we worked with on on our campus Charlton who I grew up with yeah um, you know and we worked with a couple of people like that and then that led us then to being part of the summer ball and pretty much like sponsoring it having banners absolutely everywhere and everything. and again apart from the actual physical raw material yeah not having to pay for it which was good we was did good. so much without having to pay for it. And I think one of the main things that we need to touch upon, which we will do in terms of the finance, is obviously being efficient and in terms of your finance, managing your cash flow tightly. And if there's any any positive, any favours you can get in terms of being able to reduce the, the amount of outgoings, make sure you take them. Yeah. 100%. I mean, um, the, 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 I think that's probably, you know, the, the, the store is exciting. Right? Yeah. You know, it was great fun. We, we, you know, we had, like I said, a massive summer ball, which we went, it had a load of people kitted out and Monaco money stuff was everywhere. Big banners were everywhere. We were giving out uh, Monaco money business cards. That's what I was going to say. Do you remember the, make sure you don't forget the pictures as well. Yeah. So we, again, Jamie was down from the summer ball and I had, I had an idea that I wanted to drive traffic to the website to get them to buy stuff. Yeah. Everyone at uni attended the summer ball, well over a thousand people there. Mm. So what we did is Jamie would go around with a camera, take pictures. You know, it used to be back in a club. There'd be a photographer there taking pictures. And, you know, you go to this website and you can download them. Uh, okay. We did the same thing. 
So Jamie took all the photographs and everything else, and then we gave them a Monaco Money business card, which it didn't look like a business card. It was the same size as a business card. Mm. And they basically said, look, go up, um, go on to the website tomorrow or day after, whatever it was, and your pictures will be there. Yeah. And we uploaded everyone's pictures. <laughs> I know you're laughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's pictures. My idea was send everyone there to get their photograph, and while they're there, they're, they're on our website, there's a higher probability of them buying anything. Yeah. What I didn't get right was the software that we were using to um, build the website at the time. Again, there's far better softwares out there now. In fact, we still actually use that same software, but thankfully they've upgraded it countless <laughs> times since. Um, couldn't take an image file above a certain size. So when we uploaded the images, they looked absolutely fine on the screen. When you downloaded them and tried to print them, they were about that big. So people weren't weren't best pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> which then obviously led them to not wanting to buy anything. I gave you a picture. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah look at it. You can look at it really well on our yeah. website. Just don't, don't try and download it. Whatever you do, it comes yeah about the size of your thumb. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, that that was a bit of a fail on that part. But again, a nice, good marketing campaign, a good idea, very inexpensive, and for its time, yeah, uh, pretty pretty successful. Really, I mean, the amount of hits we got on the website was nuts, but it just didn't convert. No. Um, and there was a few reasons for that, I think. Okay. Mm. Now, before we go on to your financing topic and everything else, I just want to touch on this because I think it's still relevant today. So where I still feel it all fell down because the marketing was on point, the mm. branding was on point, the affiliations were on point, mm. um, the quality of the clothing was good. Yeah, there were some mistakes, but there were, yeah. you know, there were, as an overall, they were really good. Yeah, but there were. I, I would say there were two main problems with the sales and marketing aspect of it, then why that all that didn't then convert into ROI or into revenue. Okay. The first one was, without a shadow of a doubt, was route to market. Okay. So at the time, people just weren't buying clothes online. They just weren't. Like the high streets were still popping. There was no need to buy something online. There was a distrust about buying things online. Because anytime you had bought things online previously, it would be of a lower quality or subpar standard that would be an issue. Yeah. There was also a fear about, oh, if it doesn't fit, returning it and all these other things. So back then, it just wasn't a way people purchased. It was the only way people could purchase our product at the time. Except for on one occasion where we did a pop-up um, shop true, true. At, the, at, the, at, the, at the refreshers fair. Yeah. Um, and we actually sold some gear. Uh, apart from that, it was word of mouth and this, that, and the other. And I was physically driving sales on almost on a kind of face-to-face basis. Yeah. But getting actual organic sales over the website at that point in time was really, really low. Um, especially because the the ability to market the product digitally was, again, low. Yeah. So it just wasn't a way people were doing This is back in the day where you might get five emails a day, tops. Do you know what I mean? And three of them would be from people you know and two of them would be marketing emails yeah. because it was just not there then. You know, it's not like it is now. It's complete opposite way around. You get a thousand emails and two other people you know and the rest <laughs> just jump yeah. so, um, it. So the route to market was wrong. We should have done more, looked at more pop-up stands and see how we can leverage things like that. Mm. We'll try to kind of go with almost like a distributor model and, and learn that and figured that out. Um, and the next part, which is going to segue into the next section that you want to talk about is... We got the we got the products wrong, not because there was anything wrong with the products, mm. but because we did so many so quick yeah. that it strangled our cash flow, which didn't leave us with anything spare for 
when we found something that was working marketing wise or, or awareness wise or traction we then didn't have the capital left to reinvest to double down on it we also then got stuck with a lot of stock we, we couldn't shift and it yeah. wasn't like you could then turn it into anything else or re-ramp it or anything else mm. which you find a lot in retail when that happens especially with clothing you get into like massive kind of discount sales and things like that that's not conducive to good cash flow either because no. you tend to sell things at a loss mm. Um, so we tied up all of our cash flow very quickly mm. into stock. And the other thing we did wrong is we listened to everyone else around us say that, yeah. about the stock that we should be keeping. Okay. And obviously my background in retail made me nervous. I, well, hang on, you have to have all these sizes and this, that, and the other one. I've worked in here, you da 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 da. Rather than just shredding it right back and going, mm. what do you, what, what are your core products? If you look at what 80% of people buy, mm. If you if you lose to twenty either side of it, yeah. it is what it is. It's only, if you can capture that at eighty, you're winning, right? Yeah. Um, and keeping the the profile small and spreading it thick would have been a better idea than, you know. So for example, if it's gonna be t-shirts and hoodies, then just let it be t-shirts and hoodies. Just um, just stopping you there because, like you said before, you obviously worked in Timberland, mm. Timberland, listened, Hugo we, Boss, exactly. Um, so we Pima. listened to third parties that obviously weren't actively involved in the business, mm. and then you based it. Some uh, diversifying the product portfolio based on your experience. Yeah. So in a weird way, your, your experience kind of, I wouldn't say damaged it, but it kind of, uh, it kind of caused some of the problems that we had with, with the financial cash flow because you based it on the experience from Timberland and yeah, I yeah. expected people to buy it. Yeah, I, I, I expected people to buy it. So my 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 biggest issue with it was is. And I think a lot of salespeople fall into this is you become a, a service-driven beast. Like, I'm out there pitching our wares and this, yeah. that, and the other. Now, if I let you down, it's that fear of loss, right? So, yeah. oh, I can't let anyone down. Yeah. Like that, that's it. Like, and when you're out there selling your product, selling your service, whatever it might be, you, you, I can't let people down. Makes sense. Because they won't come back. And if they don't come back, I've got no business. And they've got no business. Oh, it's all gonna, and it's all on me because I'm the sales guy. So, yeah. it, it just kind of... It amplifies in your brain like that. Whereas actually not all sales are good sales, right? And not all procurement, not all purchases are good purchases. So mm. from a business perspective, you shred it back and go, okay, and this is where we didn't do well. Although we had an award-winning business plan, we actually won the Enterprise Award from in Gloucester for, for Monaco Money. Thank you. It helped pay rent. <laughs> right? I think we won a thousand pounds, literally seven hundred and fifty quid of that one on rent. Yeah, <laughs> and shopping and shopping. That was it. Done. Like, <laughs> felt like we were winners. fed. Yeah, yeah felt and like housed. Yeah, felt like winners. But um, but yeah. So you're right. It was. It wasn't experience. Though, was it? I was a worker ant mm. who. This is what I thought you needed to to make sure that you could sell. But I expected it to sell through quicker. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't. Yeah. I mean, the other, and to, sorry to, to yeah. hit you on it, because we didn't do proper market research. Mm. We didn't really understand it as well as we should have done. No. Our pricing points were off from day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because just if, if memory serves me correctly, what we used to do was we used to look online, look at other competitors mm. and pretty much price match mm-hmm. or just, uh, just go a bit slightly. below. Yeah. Um, which wasn't the case because no one knew who we were. Yeah. No one knew who we were. We hadn't, mm. We didn't have an established brand. No, we completely so, misjudged where we were in the market. Ex- exactly that. Um, and again, just touching upon what you said before, I think um, lack of experience, I think a, a large part was naivety. Yeah, of course. We, we, we genuinely... Were we were young. Well, no, no, because I, I I completely agree. My, my perception at the time was, look, it's us, we'll sell it, 
this, that, and the other, and we'll be millionaires in. <laughs> we'll, we'll be in Monaco with the Monaco yeah, money yeah. in two years. I remember you telling me all the time how cool is it going to be when you see someone walking down the street wearing a Monaco money t shirt. Exactly. You know, took eight years. <laughs> took eight years. We closed the company by then, and I've seen someone walking down Cheltenham High Street with a Monaco money t shirt. I was like, who are you? It's <laughs> not <laughs> so like going up to him and say, your t-shirt is awesome. Yeah. You know, you probably got it given. <laughs> Mate, well, this, well, this is it. But then, again, one of, one of the points I was, was going to bring up as well, because you, you touched upon it. So, one of the marketing events that we did was the Refreshers Fair, which was a huge success. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really But good. one of the major issues that we managed to problem solve um, was obviously, you remember, with the, the polo sizes and stuff like that. So just to give you a brief run through, so we were... Pete, if you're watching, this is on you. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is on you, man. Uh, yeah, so we, we were buying clothing. Um, to, this, is, this is the main thing with procurement. So we, we were purchasing clothing from a company called Images Plus. Mm-hmm. So this is where we were getting everything. So shirts, hoodies, bags, you name yeah, it. Pete would make everything. Yeah. Pete was making everything. Now, when it came to the refreshers for Pete, to be fair to him, was under substantial pressure because, mm. again, due to our naivety, what we'd done is we'd received a large amount of cash investment mm. and we'd gone, you know what, let's take a risk here and let's chuck it all on this refreshers fair. So what I meant by that is in terms yeah. of the product, we're just going to invest, I don't know, 70 to 80% of the money that we've got. Really, really, really dumb move. Was. Yeah. But... And there was no plan B. Yeah. There was no plan B. There wasn't. And you are 100% right. Mm. Uh, and But there you go. So as, as a lesson then though, because at some point, every entrepreneur, whether you're doing clothing, whether you're doing whatever, mm. okay? And we've done it in our current business, okay? Yeah. You hit a point where it, it's, it's shit or bust. Yeah. Right? And you think, I'm going to give it a go. Or not, right? So you... you and. You, we go through annually, mm. right? You, you get to a point where you ha- you feel like you have to take a risk. Yeah, I'm at the, I've been at the status quo point for so long that it's either going to turn or it's going to fall, mm. right? So every entrepreneur, every business manager, every every person in your day to day lives and career will get to a point where they either make a take a risk or they don't. Mm. We took a risk based on the energy. That we'd created around mm. the brand, the noise, and everything else, and we we believed in it, yeah. And a lot of people did, and we thought we could convert that. But there was some key on reflection. There was some key data we didn't have mm. to make that bigger decision. And for anyone, and when you guys face this question and this decision, make sure you are over informed, not to the point where it cripples you from making the decision. But if you think there's more information to be had in that time span for you to make that decision, then get it. We didn't know what the footfall was going to be. No. We didn't know if there was any registration period. We, we didn't know if they, people had to register for it so they had an email. There were so many different things that we didn't know. Mm. So when we made that procurement decision, we actually had no concept of how many people were even scheduled to come in over the door. Yeah. So realistically, if we, if we showed it back. It was just an impulse investment. We, 100%. We, we genuinely, again, at the time, like at, yeah. And at the time, we thought it was a calculated risk. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. It was a naive, immature risk that we took based on emotion. 100%. It, exactly that. And then, like you said before, um, it was based on the energy because we knew that um, quite a few people were supporting. But who was supporting? Because yeah. When, yeah, when, yeah. You took, when you actually shred it back, a large chunk was family members, mm-hmm. um, a few of our good friends. 
But in terms of a demographic, that doesn't necessarily equate to sales. No. So they can only, your friends and family. Can yeah, buy yeah. Well, well, this is it. They can only buy X amount of t-shirts. Mm. No, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, and to be fair, most of my family still got them. Yeah, yeah. Which well, is a testament to the quality of the t-shirts, <laughs> right? But well, so your cash cash flow is king in exactly any business, enough. right? So we 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 run a multi-million pound company now. Okay, where cash flow is still king. Mm. You know, uh, I have the bank manager on speed dial. Like, because cash flow is king. Mm. And there are different financing options and everything else to help you improve your cash flow because without it, your business suffocates. Yeah. You know, and we didn't master that. We didn't have a concept of that. And luckily, we didn't have that much money to invest in it to lose. Otherwise, we would have probably gone down a right rabbit hole with it. Yeah. Um, you know, to be, to be fair, which I almost did with this place. Mm. Um, but I think, again, and this is another lesson I think a lot of entrepreneurs end up experiencing and sometimes a bit too late is when it's your business, you're so emotionally invested, invested in you it, can't yeah. detach yourself from that business, you know, and um, you, you make uh, more emotive decisions than logical ones. Yeah, 100%. Um, but we, we make emotive decisions here every day still, so it doesn't, but I think as you as you go through those bad experiences, right, so you, like, like I said before, you have to successfully fail before you can taste success, right? And you if you're in a constant state of review, mm. why did I screw that up? Why did that not work well? How could I have improved that? Yeah. Then next time you make that impulsive decision or you're making that gut decision, it's mm. not a gut decision. It's actually a thin slice decision based on X amount of um, thousands of experiences. 100%. And those people who make better judgment calls or, or think it's like intuition or this and the other, like that's that gut feeling that people talk about yeah. generally comes from a subconscious level of experience. Right. And, so you have to go through those lumps. You have to go through those lessons. 100%. But where I would always advise is get yourself some form of mentor. I was really lucky when I started this place. I mean, we didn't have a moniker money. Yeah. No one. We, we, you know, we didn't have any family members that had done what we were trying to do. We didn't know anyone that had done what. And with the greatest respect to all, all the lecturers that were at our uni, none of them have done it either. Mm. You know, they, they are fantastically academic but practically wanting right that they were sorry guys he said it I, uh, <laughs> William Winter that's right that's it thank you for my degree um, I, I don't use it anyway <laughs> but you know what I mean and, and that, that, that happens right so you, you you get caught in this, okay, and again, people use a lot of social media and things like that, and, and you know, as as almost like a, hey, I can build a step-by-step guide watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Okay, you can get maybe an idea of a concept, but I don't really think that's any different from going to uni, really, in, mm. in a way of, you know, there's no, there's no real life to it. I had a mentor when we started this place, mm. um, you know, he retired three years ago, he had 40 years experience. I learned so much in the same industry, same sector, done something very, very similar. Mm. I learned so much from his mistakes. So I didn't make them. That didn't stop me from making a lot of mistakes. Yeah, but you, you have to. That's part no, of No, and it, when it? certain of these kind of situations come up that are new to you and you can lean into someone mm. who, if they've been doing it for X amount of years, it's not new to them. Mm. It's not new to them at all. I mean, I know here in Wales, you've got uh, Business Wales and they do a mentor program. I'm actually a mentor on that program. Yeah. And there's some fantastic entrepreneurs and business managers and things like that. So people who are starting up aren't starting up on their own. Right? Yeah. But I think you and I had each other, which gave us a false sense of support. Yeah. Because we both didn't know anything. 
Um, that did, but we worked our asses off for it, but we didn't know anything to drive it through. So I would really advise strongly look into your local areas, look into your, your local councils, associations, whatever, mm. and see if there's a mentoring program, if there's not anyone in your immediate family or friendship circle or anything else you can reach out to. Because a lot of successful people have been through things and are willing and enjoy helping other people on their journey. Yeah, I, I think uh, as well as that, one of the main things that I, I would strongly advise, and you, you might disagree, is always make sure though, although you're getting this mentoring, that you you keep your identity hundred percent because what you don't want to do is it's advice exactly at the end of mirror it. that person no no otherwise it's not you anymore no no I, I agree with that so what would you say the key learning points from our Iowa Monica money experience are that on our first episode here what we know mm. um, that we can pass on what we know so they don't make a mistake yeah um, again we, we we've touched upon one of the main things be over informed. So make sure that you are doing the adequate research before you make any decision. Um, one of the, the main things, obviously, and then it's a big part of who I am at the moment or a big part of my job role is in terms of the procurement. Uh, one of the things that I wish I'd done more and one of the things, especially when you're in a product-based uh, industry, um, make sure you're doing your quality control Um we were talking briefly about the refresher fair, but one of the main things that we we kind of breezed past was when we actually came to collect the goods for the refreshers fair, all the labels have been taken out. So we had no idea. Yeah, no sizing to, labels. Exactly that. So mm-hmm. we had no idea what sizes the actual polos, uh, the hoodies were. So um, Will can obviously give you insight as to how we actually measured it. Literally. So he was a medium. So he, no, if, so it, if it was too small for me, it was a small. Yeah. If, it was, if it was slightly bigger, it was a large. If That's it fit it. you, it was an extra large. Well, this is it. This is it. So again, um, we problem solved and we found the way out of that. But then moving forward, post the refreshers fair, if we were to do like the online distribution, mm. if we were do, to do the, fail, the sales face-to-face or put it into like um, shops that, you know, did like concession stands and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, they wouldn't take the product. Because they don't know what size it is. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're not going to play a guessing game with you. Because, again, in terms of the quality of the product, product's fine. But in terms of the overall, it's poor. It's poor on your yep. part because you've failed to quality control the product. And, and, again, the biggest part of that is we'd invested 70% of our capital exactly into that. product that we then had to go back and rework and everything else. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, okay, so you, you think that that key product thing was the the main failure of well yeah i i think it was that um again i i think long term that would have been a big issue especially with yeah, the I amount mean, of stock yeah, that we, we had. i mean it wouldn't happen on the next order anyway well 100% we learned that lesson yeah but i i think again uh one of the main issues probably was um the naivety uh, i always bring it back to that uh, i think we we did a good job in terms of the marketing in terms of the branding uh, I think the strategy was good. Mm. I just feel like we were just so, our judgment was so clouded based on what we felt the market yep. wanted. The market's not ready for us. Is it? Or are you not ready for the market? Because- yeah, we, 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 we approached the market wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 100%. I think my two biggest takeaways would be, yeah. the, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a bullshit sandwich. Yeah. Okay. So one of the first positives mm. was it unlocked something in us that wasn't there before. Yeah. That 
like ironically setting up that business and actually going out and doing it and learning it and wanting it and putting in 20 hour days yeah. and then juggling that with a with a full-time job and a full-time education and I was club captain of men's basketball and I was playing local league basketball and national league basketball and then like you just you're just running on fumes mm. but living up here yeah. like your adrenaline your energy levels are like you've never been before because someone has unlocked something in you yeah and if if it's in you to build your own things and be your own boss and and build your own company, then it's in you. And the only way to really find out is just give it a go. Yeah. And for that, I don't care how much money we lost because it's made us more money in the long run. Hundred percent. It's you know, and it turned us into much better not only people but businessmen. Yeah. Right. Then here comes the bullshit in the middle, <laughs> right? You are right. We were we were young. Mm. Uh, we were naive. We could have got more help. We could have taken on more advice. We could have done more market research. I mean, there's so many things we could have done. And then what's really quite surprising is we're studying a business management degree mm. and we didn't know to do them. But this is it. That, there was a huge gap in our knowledge or understanding of what we thought was a level. Because, okay, we, we did the same level that we would have to do to pass a, an assessment or something like that. Yeah. Which clearly isn't anywhere near what you need to achieve in the real world. So... When, when you're doing that and you think you know something, that's why I mentioned mentors previously, like you realize actually, and I don't know, but you don't realize that until you start making those mistakes or feeling that it's not working. Mm. But we put all our eggs in one basket yeah, really, really early on, which gave us nowhere to move, nowhere to rotate. And the, again, the biggest problem with that was the product. But I still feel the biggest issue with that was the product that we had. And this is where we should have gone differently, in my opinion. Mm. Right, we we tied everything up into a product that had multiple variations, that killed us. Yeah. So we had a polo shirt with five different designs and colors and variations. We had a t-shirt with five different colors, five different designs and variations, and those variations were obviously sizes. Mm. Then we did the varsity jackets. Then we did this. Then we did that. So why, if you can have a product, if it's again services are differently, right? Okay. Um, but if you have a pro- oh no they're not that different actually but if you have if you have a product that has is a single product mm-hmm. where you can bulk buy so say for example black t-shirts yeah okay if we'd have built a band right just around black t-shirts right and that could have been almost like a gimmick with it and then had different bold print designs on it or this that and the other mm. cool okay you've got a variation in there that changes but your your core items the same yeah what about something like a hat Right, a baseball cap because it one size fits most. Yeah, like and you know, and having a couple of items within there mm. that okay, you can put certain variations on, but it's the same size, so everyone buying it would have been the same. So if you're going to bulk a product in there, limit the variations because otherwise those variations kill you as well. Yeah, you know, and we we did that when we launched the Verso Consumer. We kept the sizing small because it enabled us to do more with less. Yeah, I think, um, and we didn't do that, and because we didn't do that. Not only did we tie up 70% of our cash flow immediately into stock, mm. the breadth of it would have made it unmanageable. And now back to the final bit of good to complete the sandwich. Yeah. Everything we learned, because we tied that up so quickly, we had to do with no money. Which meant, again, working harder, working smarter. And if we hadn't have gone through that, I wouldn't have been able to set up this company 10 years ago. Because I set this company up on an absolute shoestring. 
we still run it on a shoestring compared to our competitors. We go head to head with 200, 300 million pound companies every day and win because of what we did then. Mm. So, you know, even in those hardest times without the money, with all those long hours and everything else, you will unlock something and learn lessons in that time. Yeah. Now, hopefully you won't lose the thousands that we did in doing it, mm. but I, would, I wouldn't change what we did for anything. No, 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 no. It, it was a great step in the stone, obviously, to lead us to where we But we, we didn't lose probably. anything. Like, we lost no. money. We no. didn't lose our home. We didn't lose families. No. So we, but we, and the best part about it was we knew when to exit. And I, I think that's an important thing, uh, especially knowing when to quit. Because like you said before, sometimes people get too emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. And then they can't, you know, can't see as to when is the best time to just remove themselves from the situation. One of the main things that I would possibly, well, I, I will leave you guys with, um, one of the main things that I think most people would say, patience is key. Mm. Um, we talk about, you know, we were listening to X amount of people, this, that, and the other, and we were naive, this, that, and the other. But if we're being brutally honest, I think we wanted this company to grow overnight. Instant that was success. It. And I think that is more of an epidemic now than it's ever been. Exactly that. Instant gratification, yeah. instant success. And if it's not available to people tangibly when they expect it, they give up. Yeah, no. it's not for me. No. Uh, I, I think when I, when I say patience, like William was, uh, he was pointing out some good ideas. So he was saying, look, just do black t-shirts, this, that, and the other. Mm. Nah, why, why are we doing black t-shirts? We shouldn't do black Blue, we can do everything. We did black, blue, yeah, orange, can, white. <laughs> That's it. All the frigging rainbow. Yeah, yeah we're doing it. Though. Yeah, it was. But it really was. But, but but this is the thing. The success will come if you keep grafting at it. Mm. But, but you've got to take it in steps. You've got to yeah. digest it slowly but surely and you'll get there. Otherwise, all you're going to do is you're going to tie up all your cash flow, like mm-hmm. we found out. And at the end of it, you've got nothing really to show for it. That's no. it. And you, again, you put yourself in a situation where you can't pivot. Exactly. And at that point, you know, especially if you were in a yeah. situation like we were, no assets, nothing to leverage against. Yeah. Uh, you know, didn't have a massive pot of family money to tip into or yeah. anything else like that. We were surviving on part-time jobs by the by the end of it with, you know, with student loans. Mm. You know, and, and other people are on, you know, lower incomes and trying to graft out. Yeah. Patience will be patience will will, will be it will key. reward you. It yeah. will, and you know, and at the end of the day, cream does rise to the top. If it's a good idea and you're you're working hard at it and you know what you're doing, you know your market, you know it inside out. Cream will rise to the top. Hundred uh, percent. And whether you end up getting investment for that or you end up getting, you know, uh, you know, a success, i.e., people start resonating with the brand and they pick it up or whatever. Yeah. But if you expect it overnight and you want it overnight, then this game isn't for you. There's something, I can't remember who said it. You, you, you said it to me the other day. Hmm. That if, if you, if you, no, I, I, see, I seen it on, I think it was Instagram actually, ironically. Oh, Some, someone who is in love with the destination will not walk as far as someone who enjoys the journey. Yeah. So like we always say, the joy is in the, the journey. The joy is in the journey. You said it years and years ago. We got it in a few places around this office. Right, because unless you can fall in love with the graft of it, mm. the early mornings to do your podcast or have a <laughs> conversation with China or whatever it is, yeah. and in, unless you don't watch the clock, mm. and it's just it, it's actually you you fall in love with the process of getting to your destination. Which, by the way, when you get there, if you're satisfied, I'll be shocked because you know yeah, you, you keep moving it. Well, you know, yeah, once you get there, you keep moving. You, you're, you're in love with the journey, so it just keeps taking you on and on and on. Like I said, right, you know, bring, to, to close off, like I said right at the start, when I went to uni. I wanted 30 grand a year in a company car. Mm. And I wanted that car to be a BMW. 
and I want the weekends off. Now, this would be laugh by I haven't had a weekend off <laughs> in over a decade. But when those successes come and you hit those 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 key marks, like, okay, cool. What's next then? But I'm not even thinking that that was a goal. I only remembered that was a goal when we first started talking about it's doing this podcast. Like, yeah. I'm not, no, not getting out of bed for that because I put 17 hours a day and I'm not getting out of bed for that anymore. <laughs> like, so, you know, it, it's... You know, and it's, a, it's a, like I say, it's about the goal. 100%. Um, and then once those goals get bigger because you've, you've achieved those steps and so along the way, the, the financial rewards and all the other rewards that you see from it. But for God's sake, and I'm going to touch on this on another podcast because uh, I think it's a topic in itself, do not fall into that social media trap of the Instagram lifestyle of an entrepreneur. Because you know what you don't see? You see the planes. I mean, we had a member of staff try and paint himself as a bloody <laughs> entrepreneur guru. But it's all hot garbage. You yeah. want to see what a real entrepreneur is? You won't. Too busy working. They're grafting. You, they're, they're not out on planes and sitting there, this, that, and the other, and you can do a free course and become a millionaire in a week. Shut up. <laughs> Go in, get your idea, graft it out, work hard, work smart, uh, and enjoy the, enjoy the process. So that, that's, that's all I want to say from our first episode of What We Know. Touch on a little bit about our origin story. We yeah. have a Mr. Superhero. <laughs> the, uh, the origin is Mr. J. <laughs> a Y. <A-Y. laughs> no one knows. So, no, no. Thanks, guys. Yeah, right. so uh, next week, uh, what we get? Well, next week, sorry, next month. Uh, we're doing this once a month, aren't we? So, what, what, what's the topic on next month? Do you want to start on this this place? My origin story, my superhero oh, story. Oh, it's yours. Sorry, I, I was, you know, I was bypassing you. See, look at that. Taking a step ahead, but Mate, I was focusing I on the destination. You need a mentor. <laughs> You do. You need, to, you need to get your market research. Right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Ne- ne- next month, we're going to do a deep dive into um, PGL, PGL, how that started, how that came about, and what 10 years of making mistakes looks like now. <laughs> um, and again, leveraging on from what we learned here. Uh, yeah. Our first guest is, I think it's going to be Pete, actually, it's isn't Peter. it? Yeah. So our first guest is a guy called Peter Ray. Uh, who is from New York, not Canada, as Jay thought. Oh, uh, right. I told him as well. He was yeah. not happy. Yeah. Was he? Yeah, he's from New York. New York, New York. That doesn't even sound like a New Yorker. Oh, I can't I do a New Yorker. Luckily, Pete can. Right. So, <laughs> Pete, um, as Jay um, touched on earlier, was, and still is, Images Plus, who was making all of our products. Um, he, we, we still do stuff with him now, with Verso, yeah. that makes all of our clothing, made these hoodies we're wearing now. Really good stuff. Um, you know, this guy's a... Phenomenal businessman. He he knows his market. He's incredible, uh, and he's been doing it. He's taken on his father's business, and he's been doing it now for twenty odd years. Mm. Um, makes clothes for some really high end brands. Makes clothes for sporting companies and oh, everything. He's even trying to launch his own workwear line, uh, Wolf Valley. So, uh, yeah, this guy's an interesting take on uh, on an entrepreneur because I mean, you want to talk about someone who never leaves work. This yeah, guy is yeah. this this guy lives off of no sleep, which I don't uh, I don't commend. To be fair, I think at some point you do need you will burn out. But um, yeah, he he is insane. But yeah, the passion that he does what he does with is incredible. So he's going to be our first guest. Um, so there'll be some trips down memory lane there, some probably embarrassing stories, but also some real big takeaways because you think we've made some mistakes. He's made a few, <laughs> and, all um, and we've got a few other people. Like got Dylan Hassel coming on. Yeah, um, who's a customer of ours now uh, from Worsley Electrical. He's got a really interesting story about how he became into his entrepreneurial journey. Um, again, I think he's only 28. 28 he's 20, quite young. Yeah, yeah, 28. He's got over a million pound company. Yeah. Um, him and his missus. Yeah, so... You've got Leighton as, as well soon coming. Yeah, Leighton, uh, commercial director of a company called 360. Um, huge. I mean, they do work for EE, Apple. Apple so, yeah. so they do exhibitions, stands, and all sorts of marketing stuff. Again, they also do stuff for us. Yeah. Um, 
We're, we're small fries for them. <laughs> yeah. um, Leighton actually made that. Thanks, Leighton. Um, uh, we've we got a few others as well. You're um, going to bring uh, your uh, bring the newbie, the new baby, on the podcast. My new baby. No. Yeah. So yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, I am excitedly waiting the arrival of William Winter Junior. Uh, he's not Junior. He's well, William Winter the ninth. I'm the eighth. So uh, yeah. But yeah, so he'll be here next week. But no, I won't be bringing him on the podcast. No. No. I, I, maybe in a couple of years' time. Oh, you know, when he can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, there's loads going on here. But um, yes, yeah, so we've got lots of guests. We're going to try and pump out at least one a month, um, depending on how we get on with it. Might be a little bit more and some more sound bites. And, and again, when we come up against things that we we learning here every day at our business, maybe we'll do a video on that. And again, try and help you guys on any learning from our mistakes, anything that we've done that might help you. Yeah. But guys, please, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, like, subscribe, do the usual boring stuff. But also, what's more important is pop some stuff in the comments. Okay, if um, if you've watched it this far anyway um, because if there's a topic or a question that you guys have that you think you know over 20 years of, of entrepreneurial experience may help you with then then give us a shout um, and again if we don't know we may not know someone who does um, and if you're interested in coming on obviously get in touch with us I'm on Instagram at william.winter1 Jay's on Instagram what's your handle? I have no idea I think it's like Janai White so yeah. if not obviously we've got our What We Know podcast um instagram as well so just get in touch there it'd be great and yeah uh, for all those listening on audio thanks for joining us i uh, hope you've had a nice trip to work or a trip in the gym or whatever it is you're doing <laughs> and uh, and yeah until next time guys take, take care, care.